The Biden regime has finally figured out what the real problem plaguing all of you middle classers, myself included. You know what it is? You're so filled with hate. From Muslims. Yes, Islamophobia is just, okay, well, look, we're, we're declaring an initiative. We're going to war against Islamophobia. And I'm going like, okay, which one of them got a hold of the old uh, uh, the old cancer pertussin? Who was huffing pertussin last night in the in uh, in the regime's Oval Office and decided that they were going to write these lines because this is straight off of it. Look, look, their entire poppy fields have been cleared, and then the fruits of the poppy hallucinogens were ingested by whoever wrote this and then by Kamala to actually look into a camera and repeat these words as if, I mean, this is worse than Jimmy Carter in a sweater. The problem with all you people is you become Islamophobes and as soon as we get a handle on that, the economy is going to roar back. Bidenomics, you, you, me and Corn Papa, we've defeated Islamophobia. I'm not making this up. Listen. Our nation was founded on the fundamental principle that all people should have the freedom to live, to worship, and to be without fear of violence or persecution. Not Every true, person by the way. has the right to live safe from violence, hate, and bigotry. And for those reasons and so many more, President Joe Biden and I have a duty not only to keep the people of our nation safe, but to condemn unequivocally and forcefully all forms of hate. Since we took office, President Biden and I have fought to uphold that duty. Over the past decade, America has seen a rise in attacks on houses of worship. So in response, we expanded funding to protect houses of worship from violence. After a surge in hate during the pandemic, in particular anti-Asian hate, President Biden signed the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act to improve the reporting of hate crimes and to ensure hate crimes are investigated quickly and thoroughly. What about the ones against Earlier Catholics? Earlier this year, in response to an historic rise in anti-Semitic attacks, we also released the first national strategy to counter anti-Semitism. And to make clear, taking on hate is a national priority President Biden and I held the first White House summit to address hate-fueled violence, and we brought together religious leaders, community leaders, and survivors to continue our work to keep all Americans safe. And today, really? we take another I feel better already. step forward in our fight against hate. For years, Muslims oh, in America God and those perceived to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks. As a result of the Hamas terrorist attack in Israel and the humanitarian crisis in Gaza, we have seen an uptick in anti-Palestinian, anti-Arab, anti-Semitic, and Islamophobic incidents across America. Yes, we must be open to all Arabs. A Palestinian-American woman who is Muslim and the killing of her six-year-old son. What about the a murder in the hallway in that New York apartment building? Was that hate? The Department of Justice is investigating as a hate crime. For so many people in our <laughs> nation, the past few days and weeks have brought about all too familiar fears. Fears that they will be targeted, profiled, or attacked simply because of who they are 
how they worship, or how they look. And so today, I am proud to announce the Biden-Harris administration will develop our nation's oh, first national strategy Lord, make to counter stop, Islamophobia. Please. This strategy will be a comprehensive and detailed plan oh, to protect Muslims and those perceived to be Muslim from hate, bigotry, and violence, and to address the concern that some government policies may discriminate against Muslims. For example, the so-called Muslim ban, which President Biden revoked on our first day in office. So here's the bottom line. In America, no one should be made to fight hate alone. All right, shut up. I, I, I can't, can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. I can't. I'm not going to make it to the end. If I had a nuclear, a little a tactical nuke, I'd stick it underneath the, the thought balloon for that. Blow it up. So that's been the problem. Oh, hate. Oh, and this Hitler's been an uptick in hatred against Palestinians and hatred against you. And it's all oh, the world is now consumed with the buzzword anti-Semitism. Everyone is in search of anti-Semites everywhere. Well, Jesus was a Semite. According to your definition, Jesus of Nazareth was a Semite. Mary of Nazareth was a Semite. According to your definition, St. John the Baptist was a Semite. Uh, a number of the apostles were Semites. Um, so if people are attacking the fruits of their Semitism, if you will, that's the Catholic Church, um, what is, is, is that anti-Semitism? If people burn churches... Catholic churches down. There was one that was defiled in Boston just last month. Joe Doyle was on his show and reported on it. Uh, does that, I'm, just, I'm asking for a friend. Does that count as hate speech? Or is that love? Or is that, is that some sort of cleansing of something that shouldn't be there to begin with of those communities? Now, before you get too uh, panty wadded up, Let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Bless uh, chapter 5, verse 11. Blessed are ye when they shall revile you and persecute you and speak all that is evil against you untruly for my sake. Be glad and rejoice, for your reward is very great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt lose its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is good for nothing anymore but to be cast out and to be trodden on by men. You are the light of the world. A city seated on a mountain cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but upon a candlestick that it may shine to all that are in the house. I think we I think we need to memorize this verse. Well, this series of verses here and stop bitching and complaining about the fact that they found us and that they're out to get us. And that we don't get any mention when they were talking about hate speech. Okay, so be it. Fine. Do I want the FBI looking at me as some sort of terrorist criminal? No, I do not. But if I read the book of Matthew, and if I'm actually practicing the faith, 
as I should, and I'm that light that's on the candlestick and not hidden beneath the bale of hay, maybe I should expect that. And I think we have this impression that there is supposed to be this red carpet thrown out for us. Well, that's not what our Lord told us uh, was going to happen. In any event, I, I don't want to be too hard on people and think that I'm beating you up because Kamala La did what she did. But what is this about hate? This is obviously, they have nothing to say about the problems, the genuine problems that they themselves have created. And there is, what is the solution to 8 million marauding men of voting age and a military age wandering about the American countryside conglomerated themselves as they can in the major cities to become what? It's either a fighting force or a voting force. According to new Speaker of the House Mike Johnson, it's a voting force. And there is a problem. By the by, just an anecdotal yarn I'll spin for you here. Quickly. Well, no, play the Johnson clip, and I'll, and I'll, I'll spend it afterward. This is, and, uh, I, I want to ask you a question of what my constituents asked me. Could the Democrats in charge, and certainly Democrats here with jurisdiction over the border, you're could they really Jerry be Nadler. in favor of an open border? And I, I'm, I, I'm asking you honestly and in good faith. Can I ask, Mr. Chairman, you're from New York. Thanks to New York City's council, um, beginning January 9th, 2023, more than 800,000 non-citizens will be eligible to vote in municipal elections in New York. Is that, do you agree with that policy? No, nor, uh, non-citizens will not be eligible to, to vote in New York. They never have been, well, they, they were prior, in the 19th century eligible to vote in New York. Well, no, no this and is a recent action. It was no, just passed in no, December. No, that, that, that is not correct. Uh, non-citizens, uh, have not been eligible to vote in New York or, for, as far as I know, in any other state uh, since the 19th century. That's not true. The New York City Council voted in December to allow this. It begins January 9, 2023. Cities in Vermont and Maryland already allow this, and similar measures are under consideration in Illinois, Maine, and, and uh, Massachusetts right now. If the gentleman will yield? Yes. Uh, I believe those are um, considerations of allowing votes in municipal elections only. Right, but, oh! but th thank you, that's the point. <laughs> Everybody wants to know at home, why would they allow this? Guys, they're allowing it because they're gonna turn them into voters. They already are doing this in New York City, <laughs> largest city in America, and this is the plan of our friends on this side to turn all the illegals into voters. That's it, folks, that's what's going on. That's the game. That's why the border's open, that's why they've dropped it. Look, I, I respect Ms. Lofgren and all her work in this arena. No wonder they hate Mike Johnson. You know, on the one hand, I hear Johnson become a Zionist and go, no, stop. And then he does something like this and go, yeah. <laughs> I was once told my radio consultant, uh, my old friend Walter Sabo, Mike, what you're shooting for is 50% of your audience loving you and 50% hating you. <laughs> That way, everyone has an opinion. And as long as you don't resolve the conflict, they'll keep listening. I think he was right. 32 years in his business says, and I learned that when I was about seven years, six years in, I think Sabo was correct. 
And I think Mike Johnson, I mean, that was some stealth there, ladies and gentlemen. That doesn't happen. He actually told Nadler, Fat Jerry Nadler, the Humpty Dumpty of New York, he actually told him, oh, okay, well, thank you for that. I see. All right. See, folks, this is what they're doing. Did you know that? I know we covered the story. I don't think anyone remembers it. Illegals can vote in municipal elections in Vermont and New York. So why did 800,000 or whatever the number is, uh, Biden's immigration or Biden's invasion force from south of the border, why did they make their way to New Tenochtitlan City? Well, the first thing they're going to do if you live in New York is they're going to destroy your local elections. Your vote's now going to be, if they're, they're, that's 80, let's just say the number's 80,000, what Adam says it is. That means that 80,000 of your votes are going to be canceled out. Now, if you're a libtard Democrat and you vote straight party line, well, then your vote, 80,000 people are going to have their votes doubled. If you're an independent or you vote as a Republican in New Tenochtitlan City, you might as well go ahead and leave now. Because any chance you had of electing a Giuliani or someone who actually fixed the disaster that New Tenochtitlan City has become is now being wiped out systematically by the fact that those squatters that cost $450 a day, by the way, that's $135,000 a year, are not going anywhere until they get to vote in the next elections. In other words, the Democrat Party in the state of New York has a suicide wish for its own current residents. I have always said this, even before I got religion or even before I was, uh, while I was a neocon. I instinctively knew this many, many years ago. Why doesn't it matter what the people that live where they live think? Why doesn't it matter? Why don't I have a say-so in whether or not I want immigrants coming in or whether or not I want the population to expand? What's wrong with it the way it is? And we wanted to expand, but we wanted to expand because people stayed here, they lived here, maybe they've been here for generations, they love the freaking land, they love the place, they love the area, they love their community, but oh no, can't have that, no, no, it's not enough. You're not dark enough, you're not diverse enough, well screw you. We don't want to become diverse. We're happy with the way we are. Why doesn't the local population get to say so? This has always bothered me. Maybe it's why I got into politics and, this, and, and all this madness to begin with. What does it matter with some Yahoo, with some Yahoo sitting thousand miles away wants in my community? I don't go meddling in his the hell is he doing in mine? Well, now we know. It's the enemy at work. It's always the enemy at work. He never sleeps, doesn't take breaks, he's not in a union. And he absolutely will not stop until you are dead. But I have to say, these are warlike actions. Why do the people that, let's just say you are like Don from the Bronx. Okay, Don from the Bronx, who's probably listening right now. Don got out. He was generations. His family is from 
the New York area, New York City area. The, the Bronx is a little north and west of uh, the city. It's across the Bronx River. The Harlem River, then the Bronx River. Why does Don from the Bronx have to leave his and his family's beloved New York and flee for the confines, the sunny confines of Tampa, Florida, where he now lives? Because people conspired to ruin, to invade, and to destroy any sense of generational community that those people may have had in the Bronx or in Manhattan or in Queens or wherever, anywhere in the boroughs. They conspired to destroy it. Make tens of millions, if not billions of dollars off, the, off it in the process. Enrich and empower themselves. And they didn't care. And they don't care about what anyone that currently lives there and maybe has a stake in all of this. I think we need to go back to We proposed this at the first, uh, the second Congress and when we met into our groups. And the Dixie region of the United States actually proposed this, that were we to break off into, and, and we're, we're, were the states to leave the union, and were to new states or new regions or new unions to be formed, um, that how could one get, get into a position, or into a leadership position? Well, we would say that, or we said that you have to prove ancestrally, you have to be third generation that has squatted on that particular piece of land. In other words, you couldn't carpet back in there from California and go like, hey, I'm here to fix things. You don't look like us and you certainly don't sound like us. Uh, how about if we reject your your fix? How about that? How about it? We're not going to, you know what? You can fix things in two generations if you decide to stay. I think that there is something to this, and it, 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 ought to it bothers me, and it ought to bother all of you that this is not, not the way our political processes and that our cultural and our community processes, this is not the way we think about them. Well, it absolutely is the way we should think about them. Unless, of course, your community is so screwed up already that you're going to have to leave it. And you're going to have to go and go somewhere where the community isn't screwed up. Well, then, um, in that instance, well, <laughs> you're preserving it for what? Well, what are they going to do after they've colonized? You know what's the amazing thing? This, this, is, this is colonialism at its worst. What's happening in New Tenochtitlan City and other cities across the United States as, they, as our leaders go and boast and brag about the amount of Arabs that have been imported and assimilated there. But have they really been assimilated? <laughs> this is colonization. This is colonialism. They have come from another continent and they have colonized entire cities that they now basically own and run. Exactly. I must say... Why does anyone cheer this on? So, it's, so in the United States today, then it is wrong for the people to wish to preserve good communities where they live, maybe even where they're the third generation or second generation, maybe in fourth, hell, maybe fifth, sixth. You do not have a right then in the United States to preserve your community from outside influences of people that don't think like you. I think that there is something that is completely effed up about that, that manner of thinking. And why don't we say it?
I think that it explains also a lot of President Trump's popularity, because Trump doesn't actually say it like that, but he pretty much says what I just said. Why doesn't the community have the right to remain the community that it is? If you don't like it, don't move there. If you don't like the fact that these are a bunch of regular mass-attending large family Catholics that associate amongst themselves, then don't move there. If you don't like the fact that, hey, these are the Amish people and the Amish have segregated themselves off, then don't move there. If you don't like it, just you, you, insert your own formula here. But the colonization, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, the Arabs have colonized the United States. That is a colonization. The former citizens of Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, name your stan. Why didn't they aspire to stay where they were and fix those areas? Why don't the ones in Mexico, why don't they want to stay and chase the cartels out? Why doesn't the government assist them? Because people in designing real hateful men in the United States want them to come and colonize parts of the U.S. for their own personal empowerment, enrichment. That clip right there. You know, and Nadler did not, Nadler didn't stand up and, 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 and huff and puff out of the, uh, out of the committee. He, should, he, sat, he just sat there and took it. Going, looking at Johnson like, okay, right, I don't, okay, you got me. Yeah, that's why we did it. Did anyone ask the people that live where the refugees are being sent? Did anyone ask them if they wanted them? If they wanted their way of life, their culture, inexorably and ineluctably changed. Why would anyone aspire for such things? So all of this conversation about hate, all of this is, is you just kind of soften people up to go, oh, so you're one of those Arab-hating, Lebanese-hating bigots. I don't hate Lebanese people. What are you talking about? Yes, Maggie. I was just going to say, you can ask if they if they were asked, but ultimately, how they voted is what got them the immigrants that they got, correct? Because you saw people in Chicago and New York protesting once they had thousands. What did they think? They were only going to get two? Yeah, they did. Well, maybe they did think they were only going to get two. <laughs> what did you think? Only a couple of busloads were going to show up? <laughs> 